I'm John from Unqualified Gamers. Hello, a podcast member of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the one you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out other podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. And get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. Hey, Cody here from UnqualifiedGamers.com, and uh, today I am going to review Civ Addiction's Civilization V multiplayer mod pack. This episode will be a little bit different because my uh, sidekick... Jonathan, who has been demoted to sidekick because he's never available to do the show, so he's a sidekick now, uh, could not do the show. So I'm just going to do a straight-up review uh, of this amazing multiplayer mod pack. And um, at the end of this episode, I'll tag on a little bit of stuff to catch people up. But for those of you who are here just to hear about the mod pack, I'd like to launch right into that. So to give you some background, Civilization V is one of my favorite games. I'm quite obsessed with it. It's really, really fun. I got like eight games on the Steam Summer Sale, and I played literally none of them, and instead played 30 hours of Civ Five in the last week. So it's just this weird comfort game that I'm really into. And I also love mods, right? Mods are super fun. And for th- I am not an expert on the Steam Workshop or Steam Mods or getting mods to work, In Civilization V, there's a robust mod system that lets you pull up and subscribe to mods essentially directly from in the game, which is really convenient and really easy and really great. And yet, in my infinite wisdom, somehow, I have never successfully gotten any of these mods to work. Even if I'm just adding, like, the mod that changes city-state names to the names of towns from Pokemon which is an awesome mod I finally got to work, by the way. I couldn't get that to work forever. Like, I just don't... Mods and I just don't get along in this game. And then, uh, lo and behold, so I, I don't remember how I even found this, but I'm, I'm looking around for, like, best Civ mods and, and some other stuff, and I stumble upon uh, a couple different kind of packages that serve not necessarily as just a mod where it modifies a thing here or there, but as an overhaul of the game. And a couple were presented in different ways. There was one that I really wanted to try. But one of my other favorite ways to play Civ, in addition to by myself, is multiplayer. I love multiplayer. And I wanted to make sure it was compatible with multiplayer. So I'm browsing around all the mods that I could find online. And I came across, and I will share the screen with you for those watching on YouTube and not listening to the digitally remastered podcast at unqualifiedgamers.com. Um, I will now share. Uh, this is the screen you can see. So it's at the Civ Fanatics Forum, which also I really knew nothing about. Uh, again, like I'm very new to this whole thing. So this is not coming from an expert. Even if you dabble in Civ 5, this video should make sense. But I'll get into the nitty gritty for those of you who want to know uh, about this mod because there's a lot to it. <clears throat> so. 
It was posted by Civ Addiction. I don't know who Civ Addiction is or anything about Civ Addiction, but thank you for making this a really cool mod. Uh, and uh, as you can see, the Civ Fanatics forum is a quite a robust community. There are uh, looks like a lot of people active in it and a lot of different sections. But I, I, there is a link to this thread in the video description as well as on the official podcast on unqualifiedgamers.com. And here you can see there's an introduction and Civ Addiction goes into very, very specific detail regarding how, for not only how to make a mod pack, um, but also the, the history of it a little bit. And I, I guess it was partially made to kind of demonstrate that several different mods can be incorporated into a mod pack. Um, that really fully changes the game. And of course, you've got the mandatory change log with lots of language I don't understand, like XML things, and I'm not a coder, I'm not a modder. Again, uh, really great. And of course, most importantly, the download links. So, I mean, this this play, this thing is so robust, it, it literally could have its own website and, and be justified. But in this particular mod's case, there are just links within this thread on this forum. Uh, they're really great. So the full mod itself, in terms of game mods, is about 178 megabytes. And then the full version, including this cultural diversity soundtrack that is needed to get it to really run, um, that full version will run closer to about 1.77 gigs. And once you unpack it and unzip it, you figure around two gigs just to kind of be safe. Um, there are installation instructions on this page, and uh, it talks about installation, which I'll get into in a bit. Um, but I'm actually going to switch back to me for a second so you can look at my stupid face. I'm so sorry, you have to deal with it. Um, so that's where you find all this stuff. So I installed this mod pack, and it does completely overhaul the game. It re-adds in features from Civilization 4 that were removed from Civ 5. It changes the way resources are allocated. It changes a whole lot of stuff. And actually, the... And by the way, the train is going to go by. I live near the train in Chicago, so there will be some noise in the background. That's what that is. Um, so uh, it changes a lot of things. And actually, I'll share the screen again because I didn't really plan ahead too much in terms of this video, quite frankly. Um, if I show the screen again, you can see if you scroll down, you scroll down, you scroll down, coding stuff, mod pack creation, lots of other stuff, bugs, he's removed. And then you get to the mods he included, right? So, city-state diplomacy, civ for leaders, trade, civ names. You scroll down and you scroll down and you scroll down. There's a lot. Then he talks about the mods he added from Serp's mod pack. And then he continues with more mods he adds from the serve pack. And again, if you're watching the video, you can see there are, I mean, I've already scrolled past at least 30 or 40 mods and probably coming up on 50 or 60. It's, it's ridiculous, the number of mods. And then you finally get to the end and then he throws in a few mods that were not included from Serp's mod pack. But the reason this is all very important is, is because um, I've only played a couple games with this mod pack. And what you need to realize, if uh, you are a reasonable person, which I hope you are, what you need to realize is it's impossible to assimilate all of this information on your first playthrough. I mean, you can read 40 or 50 things and try to remember them, but... 
you know, they're all just written down like in a bullet point list. So the intent of this video is to give you um, some of the most glaring changes that I noticed, how it affected the game, how I felt about them, kind of what you should expect. And ultimately, I'll recommend that you try this mod pack because it gave me a new experience with the game that I really, really liked, like a lot. Uh, it was super fun to play. This mod pack is super well made. Um, I'm very happy that I tried it. I would 100% recommend it to anybody that likes Civ 5 to try it. Now, uh, I guess I'll, I'll actually finally talk about it. So, I took some notes. So, if I look away from the camera, it's because I'm actually looking at them. So, <clears throat> um, the most marked change that I noticed in this is the ability to upgrade buildings. And that means that you um, build a building for the cost of the original building to give it a plus 50% output uh, at the cost of plus whatever the maintenance is per turn. So for example, if you build a monument, that gives you one culture. In this mod pack, you can then build the monument a second time essentially to add to it this doubles it. So now you have plus two culture, but it's plus two maintenance. It's two maintenance per turn instead of one. Um, because again, that, that just rounds up, right? So that's kind of a huge deal. That changes the game significantly because if you're aiming for culture or faith and you're building shrines, you can do this with a shrine where you build a shrine twice and suddenly you have two faith at the cost of two gold per turn. But you're getting double the output for a particular thing. This applies to granaries for growth. I mean, like you can you can figure out the rest. It allows you to specialize and focus much more on your output. And once you get to things like, uh, not libraries, but whatever scientific building it is that increases your output by 33%, the upgrade of that increases by an additional 17%. So now you're getting 47% output science per city uh, or per um, uh, per building like this because you've upgraded it when you haven't necessarily unlocked like an observatory, let's say, that allows you to just build a new building. So um, it changes the structure of the game fundamentally in that way, and that's a really big deal. Um, so uh, that is a super cool thing I, that I thought was really cool. There are a ton of extra improvements on the map, like some random building I found on a hill that gives you plus two faith. I don't remember what it's called. I'm going to refer back to the mod pack notes in a little bit in a couple minutes in this video to get a little more specific. Um, but again, I'm just trying to list things that I jotted quick notes down on while playing the game to give you an idea of the things that jumped out the most to me. There are things that affect you perhaps even more than what I'm saying, but um, I'll get to those later um, because they're more subtle. So um, the diplomacy screen gives you bonuses that I guess were incorporated in Civ 4 that I, I didn't know about. So let's say next to a civilization, it'll have a science icon and a... Uh, periscope icon. The science icon means that you build certain science buildings more quickly. It's just a built-in trait of that sieve, and there's some sort of science bonus I can't remember off the top of my head. The periscope, I believe, relates to movement. Um, the production one uh, increases the speed with at which you build wonders quite substantially and uh, is, is very cool as well. And then there's a military one that affects your military. So um, each leader now suddenly has two icons 
that specialize additional things that they can do, um, whether it's getting additional science or additional culture or additional military or whatever it is, um, that fundamentally changes some of the bonuses you get at the start of the game. Um, Really cool thing. There's a new resource called Paper. And with that, you can build, uh, or with certain cultural buildings, you can build uh, diplomats of some sort. Uh, I did not experiment with diplomats until late game, but diplomats are really cool. Diplomats, once you've produced them, you can uh, bring them to a city-state and have them conduct a diplomatic mission, which raises your influence significantly. I think it's 30 or 50 or 70, depending on their rank. Or if you're already allies with that city-state, you can build an improvement on one of the tiles, you know, expend the unit to build an improvement, and you build a embassy, which gives you an additional vote in the World Congress, which gets you more towards a diplomatic victory. So if you're going full diplomatic, I mean, I'm guessing if you play as Greece and just focus on building these diplomats and sending them to city-states, you're pretty much going to crush the game. It's going to be totally broken. Um, but maybe not, because it's a harder game, which I'll also get to. Um, what else? Uh, so, um, military units now get any second level upgrade after the first and second upgrade. So you, you are not limited to plus 15% combat strength in open terrain or rough terrain or heal a unit as your only options. Uh, combat units now, and maybe it's not the first promotion but like when i built a barracks it was always the first promotion um you could instead do you know uh defense against ranged attacks greater visibility plus one movement speed if you're a naval unit so it it opens up the ways you can specialize your military which is kind of cool um and there are some new ones that i've not seen before like uh one that gives you plus 20 percent combat strength inside your territory there's another one that's plus 20 percent combat strength outside your territory so those are really good um, perks, obviously, because they're better than the 15% you're normally relegated to. So conquest has changed quite a bit. Um, trading with civs in city-states is really easier now, uh, really easy now, um, with pop-up screens and, and hover-overs. Uh, you get more information on what the other civ is getting. And in the diplomacy screen, there's an info addict button that you can press, and that basically tells you the score and the progress of every civilization in the game in terms of faith or production or military strength or money or whatever it may be. Um, So you can refer to that really quickly in case you're wondering, like, well, do I want to give them luxury resources or are they really miserable and I need to maybe not so that they die or things like that. Um, so a lot of things change a lot. Um, another one of the early things I noticed, and this is one of the few negative things I'll say about it, is that um, ranged units work fine. And this is in the notes. Like, I'm not calling out anything that that um, that uh, Civ Addictions is not aware of already and has already documented clearly. Um, but uh, it's true that the, the red field around ranged units, generally if you attack with an archer or something, they'll show like a red kind of um, shape or bubble or whatever around the unit showing you where you can fire. Well, that's a bit bugged for some reason, and it'll only show one or two tiles that you can attack. You can still attack the normal tiles you'd be able to hit. It just doesn't indicate that um, on the screen visually. So a minor a minor interface bug that's really not a big deal. Um, now, I would normally this might affect you. Let's say you're not really great at Civ. You realize that, well, archers are affected, like they can't shoot over hills. 
so you may be thinking to yourself, well, I don't like have the whole terrain modifiers memorized. I don't know what archers can see over or shoot over or whatever. So the fact that I, I can't see easily and clearly what I can attack is going to be detrimental to me. Do not worry, because that's also been changed uh, to where basically any ranged unit that I can tell can just attack over anything. So you don't have to worry about that. Basically, if you know your range is two, then you can attack any squares two, two squares away, which is fine. Um, the one thing I found annoying is you can't move through jungle tiles unless you've discovered uh, something, some technology. I don't remember which one, navigation or something. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But that's, like, super annoying if you start near a jungle. Or worse, if you're trying to attack a civilization that's near you and it's the beginning of the game and they're surrounded by jungle and you can't get through it. So keep that in mind. That does change the game substantially if you're anywhere near jungle. So that's another thing to think about. So um, those are the things that I picked up on right away when I started playing the game that kind of jumped out at me. They were the really glaring obvious things. The things I noticed later in the game that I really liked were... Um, so building diplomats, I think you can do it with production, but I only did it really with this a couple special cultural buildings that you assign a specialist to. And it's like a great person. It's like you're generating a great merchant or a great engineer or a great scientist. And you create great diplomats or diplomats, essentially. Um I'm not an expert on the whole diplomacy thing, but I do know that what I've seen is cool, so worth checking out. Um, and uh, and again, they can add a vote to the World Congress. I was just looking at my notes, and I'm like, oh, that. Um, also, with the military, what I noticed later, more than one military unit can occupy a city, which rules. I think it's three can occupy it now. And there are no more civilian traffic jams, I think. I saw in the notes there are no civilian tra traffic jams, but I was doing a lot of um, automated worker improvements, so I'm not super as familiar with that. But if it's true, then no civilian traffic jams, definite plus. Um, there's an entire new unit of uh, civilization called Health. So in addition to, you know, science and happiness and culture being generated and golden age points, there's now health. And there are several buildings that affect that. Hospitals affect that. And your civs basically get a health base. And then if you have health under that base, then you have that percent chance that a plague could ravage one of your cities, which kills off population, presumably... Uh, um, has, you know, affects your production and other things adversely and is not really great. Um, but I don't know because I turned off the plague option. I didn't want to deal with it. I dabbled with the plague option on in multiplayer with my friend and a couple of our our CPU rivals were ravaged by plagues, which is great, but my city was not hit by them. I chose to not deal with that new health option, but maybe you want to. I don't really know. Um, let's see. So I already talked about the jungle thing. And uh, and yeah, those were my major impressions. As I got late into the game, uh, there were a couple other minor bugs that are, again, probably documented, but just maybe something to be aware of. When you're at war, the city-state zoom-in interface doesn't always work perfectly. Like if I'm hovering over Antwerp on the map and I click on it, it won't zoom in to that city-state for some reason while at war. Um one time a city didn't render correctly, so it said, you know, Seville or whatever. It had the icon for Seville and the population, and it had a, a unit stationed there, but it didn't, like, render the actual houses for the city. 
minor UI thing. Then there was another, and actually it would render if I zoomed into a certain degree, but then disappeared when I zoomed out. It was strange. Uh, and there was like a mountain that didn't look like a mountain. So occasional bugs, but like really minor stuff that does not break the game really at all and shouldn't be a th- like a really a worry. And I think it's it's worth noting all of this because again I'm not trying to bash this mod. It's a really awesome mod. It's really well made and well done. Like I'm impressed by it. I'm not I have nothing bad to say about it. The reason I'm forthcoming about you know any bugs is because this is a game that you can dump 30 to 50 to 80 hours into one game and you probably are thinking to yourself, "Well, I don't want to get 25 hours into the game and then have something break." So, don't worry about that. I finished a game that was about 24 hours long, which I lost. So I went back a few turns to uh, rewrite history, as it were, and went a different strategy, which lasted much longer. But I got 30 hours out of the game, no bugs whatsoever. Um, uh, that it prevented me from finishing the game. Now, playing multiplayer with my friend... A couple times uh, we would, you know, furnish a turn and then instead of the computers taking their turn, the game would just, you know, reload itself. That's something that happens during normal Civ Five. that's not exclusive to mods. So, you know, we just would exit the game, he'd reload it, re-invite me, and then we'd reconnect and then it would stop and go away. Other times it would do it maybe two or three turns in a row and then stop doing it. So... Um, you know, a couple reconnecting things, but to be totally honest, I've had just as bad problems with the single or with with the unmodded multiplayer game. So this is not like some new territory where it's like, oh, the mod breaks the game. No, it's playable multiplayer, um, and it, it's you know nothing's gonna be totally broken any more than it, it would normally be or anything. So uh, all in all, multiplayer works is what I'm trying to say. So there's that. Um, so overall, those were the main things that I noticed about the the mod pack. Um, really cool changes. I'm just going to now, I just pulled up Civ Addiction's actual list, and uh, I'll read through a couple of them. Um, you can obviously read them themselves, but the purpose of this review is to kind of get my reaction as a player. Also, keep in mind, I'm not good at Civilization V or Civilization in general. Like, I'm pretty good. I can probably play on King or or above, maybe one level or so, maybe a couple levels if it's multiplayer and I'm on a team with my friends. But I'm I'm not like Emperor level. I'm not like six or seven level or whatever the highest two are. That's not me. So you're not talking to a pro on this game, but I like it and it's fun and I enjoy playing it. Um, before I get into this, the other uh, thing I will say is that the game is harder my friend and I were playing multiplayer and whatever like we went up a few levels in difficulty like we usually multiplayer will play on either the second or third highest difficulty and we did that with this on the multiplayer and we got crushed so I mean not like we lost but we were so far behind after about 30 or 40 turns that we just started a new game that never happens to us and the second game we weren't doing a whole lot better now, one of two things could be possible. Uh, one is that my my friend was brand new to the mod and didn't know about all these changes. So being on teams just made that more apparent, plus the fact that I'm not as good at the game because he usually kind of carries the team. Other possibility is 
what we're thinking is all the sieves get starting bonuses. So um, I, I'm not going to be able to find it um, like in this documentation right now while I'm podcasting. Because first of all, it's rude to read while I'm talking. Um, but, well, okay, I'll find a couple. So like leader trades, right? So there's like aggressive, which reduces your military upkeep costs. Inventive gives you plus two science per city. Holy crap, that's ridiculous. At the start of the game, think about that. Um, there's spiritual, plus one faith per city. Protective, plus 50% city range attack strength. Um, seafaring, free workboats when a lighthouse is built. Free cargo ship when a harbor is built. Stuff like that. And then um, all the civs get, like, if you're industrious, you get a double production rate when producing workshops and stoneworks. Mercantile get double production on markets and mints. There's all these little things that like really significantly affect the game and they're major bonuses. And there are uh, other base bonuses that each civilization gets I'm not even aware of that are somewhere in the notes. But what my friend's theory is is that because the bonuses start so early in the game, the computer knows about them, registers them, and is able to leverage those, and that gives them a faster start. So in order for you to like really effectively play this game competitively with the CPU, you need to know what your bonuses are. Like We found out halfway into playing the second game that if you build a city on a forest, it contributes some of the production. Uh, it contributes production to your first building because you've chopped down trees, so it makes sense that you'd get production. So we're like, oh, okay. So that's why all the CPUs building uh, all their uh, all their cities were built on forests. But like we didn't know that. So um, it could be one of a couple things, or maybe the CPUs just smarter and they just made them harder because there is a CPU military overhaul in this mod pack as well. But we did both notice a bit of a spike in difficulty. So if you're a Civ Five player who's really good at the game and you've mastered everything and like you're just playing on the hardest difficulty all the time and it's kind of challenging for you, but like you've got it down pat, I would get this mod and just switch things up a bit because that could be really really fun. Um, so that's all of my overall impressions that I'll talk about, and I'll touch on just a couple of the other major mod notes that. Um, that I noticed. There's a city-state diplomacy mod that kind of changes the way you interact with city-states. It didn't affect me much. I didn't think it changed the game a huge amount, but it's kind of nice. And the great diplomats are really, really cool. Um, they alter the diplomatic features. They alter the leader traits I mentioned. Um, the civ names by uh, policies uh, does something with names. Um, there's there's one called community patch. I'll give you an idea of like how complicated this is. My changes. Uh, merged LUA with other mods and made some LUA and XML changes to make it compatible with C4DF. I don't know what any of those things mean. I'm sure they're really awesome, but I don't know what they mean. So there's that. Um, the uh, great wonders of the world have been overhauled. So they all produce eight in resources, whatever that combination is, whether gold, faith, culture, science, production, whatever it is, they all add up to eight. So natural wonders make a whole lot more. Um, cities not built on hills get plus one food to compensate for the plus one production that cities on hills have. So it's rebalancing the game. Because um, part of the idea of this mod pack, I think, is to make the game more fair and more balanced and make some improvements. Um, great profit names now have historical names like the way great people do. That's kind of cool. Um, the health and plague yield I talked about, 
improved air recon, which I don't know much about because I didn't build any air units. I just built nukes. Those worked out pretty well for me. Um, the uh, the soundtrack is pretty good. Uh, exploration is good. There's more pantheons. The pantheons are a little ridiculous because there used to be like five or six really good pantheons, and the rest were whatever. They're all really good now. So it took it takes me like five minutes to pick a pantheon every time I've played this game now because I'm like they're all really really good. What do I do? Um, and that's really really cool. Um, my friend's favorite edition, one of his favorite editions, is that you, if you have a unit and you right-click somewhere across the map, and it's like he'll be there in six turns. If you click on that unit again, the tile he's headed towards will glow and make a sound effect and highlight, so you can see where he's headed. You can see where that destination is. I feel like that was in another Civ game at some point, or maybe in Civ Five, but it's, it's just better, and it's more consistent now, so that's really cool. One of my favorite new things is a music changer. At the very top of the screen, in the tiniest, tiniest font, very unobtrusive, there's a thing that says music player, and it just says, like, next track or something. You can click on that anytime to skip the track. Oh my god. I was playing as Morocco. You think I pressed that skip button at all? Because I did. Like, a lot. So that's awesome. Because there's a couple tracks in each shiv that you know you just hate. And you want to die every time you hear them. Now you can click next track. Why is that not in the original game? I don't really know. Um, anyway. Lots of new unit models. I think this is a logical change. Submarines now ignore borders. That makes sense. Because they're submarines. They're underwater. The whole idea is that you can't see them. So that's cool. Um, trading posts now uh, grow into towns like cottages in Civ 4, which I don't know a whole lot about. Um, cultural influence has been overhauled. Um, oh, wonders. Here's another awesome feature. Wonder building is one of the most stressful and frustrating parts of civilization. If I spend 19 of the first 30 turns building the pyramids... And then when I'm one turn away from building the pyramids, I get a notification that says, Korea just finished the pyramids. Then I just wasted basically the entire like opening of the game. This is atrocious and reprehensible. Now, when you start constructing a wonder, after your first turn, you get a notification that says you're beating someone to beating that to making that wonder, or you're falling, be- or someone else is beating you to building that wonder, which means you can change almost right away and decide whether you want to build that wonder. Maybe one turn was wasted, or maybe one turn told you, "Oh, I'm actually ahead. Maybe I'll step up production just to make sure I stay ahead." And there you go. That is the best thing ever, basically. Actually, there's, it's not. There's other best things ever. Convenient start. The starting settlers have additional movement points, so you can get a six-tile movement radius. They have greater range of sight. Um, you can just see further. Uh, there's all that stuff. And honestly, at this point, I could just go on and read the rest of the 50 or so uh, mods that have been added to it, but I'm not going to because you can read it in the description and because I've been talking about it for a half hour. So, uh, the name of this deal 
is Civ Addiction's multiplayer mod pack. It's super easy to install. You literally drag a folder into like uh, into one of your folders in 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 the Steam in the Steam folders in the hard drives in the no you um you literally drag it into the uh, <laughs> see how good I am at explaining things. Oh yeah, you 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 uh, once you unzip it, you bring it into Steam Steam apps, comments, admire Civilization Five assets DLC. You basically drop a folder in the DLC folder in your hard drive, and it's good to go. And it overhauls the whole game, so it's not like you select it as a mod in the game. I what I think happens, and again, I'm not an expert, is the game reads this mod pack as a DLC, so like Brave New World or Gods and Kings. It just reads the whole package as a DLC and just automatically boots it up when you boot up the game the first time i booted up the game it did take like an extra minute or so so just be patient and don't assume it's frozen um just give it a little bit to kick up and then once you're in the game i did not notice any lag my computer is not a killer rig by any means um i didn't notice any massive lag in turn taking or anything like that um i thought it was very smooth once loaded and it was a, a very it was just an exceptional experience um Clearly, I've raved about it enough. I could go on. I will not. I will also not play as Morocco again. Though they were good, but not my style, I don't think. So there's that. But um, it was super fun. It was super, super fun. Um, highly recommended. And um, and go ahead and check it out. And thank you, Civ Addiction, for making a very cool mod pack. So with that... Really hope uh, that I haven't scared off everyone. Um, if you just came for the Civ 5 Mod Pack review, that's all I have to say. Um, if you came for anything else, I don't know where you came from because why would you? Uh, but no, no, no. This is Unqualified Gamers. This is uh, episode 100, whatever it says in the video description or wherever you're watching or listening to this. Um, I'm usually joined by my co-host, John, who is always sick because of his baby and or being told to do something by work or his wife or, or something. Basically, he is out of control. He has no self-control of his life, um, and that is why I'm demoting him to sidekick because um, I, I carry the team, and uh, that, that happened. But maybe he'll be back. Who knows? Probably next week, just in time to take another week off presumably, uh, before Gen Con, uh, where we will be doing a live podcast on uh, the Friday of Gen Con in Indianapolis at the end of July. So we're very excited about that. And um, keep an eye on our YouTube channel and unqualifiedgamers.com for a promo video that I'll be releasing later uh, promoting our little appearance at Gen Con and our live podcast, which you can come and watch and listen to and, and all this good stuff. Um, also, Unqualified Gamers, the podcast, is part of the Gonna Geek Network, and some other shows on the network have some cool things going on, so I'd like to tell you about what their episodes are doing this week. So on episode 166 of All Things Good and Nerdy, ATGN, which you can find at gunnageek.com, Naki couldn't be here this week, but have no fear, as Anthony and Chris are still here to bring you the latest news you have to know. Half to, is quite aggressive, but okay. Anyway, Chris recounts James Gunn's thoughts on the upcoming Ant-Man movie. Basically, it's looking as though it should be pretty good. And Anthony is able to reveal his secret project. Ooh. He's doing the artwork for the... Well, I'm not going to tell you what the secret project is. But he's doing something cool, so go check it out. And then they do a rundown of some other interesting news from last week. Uh, all Things Good and Nerdy. Very cool nerdy podcast that I've co-hosted many times. And we're good friends of theirs. 
on the Gunna Geek Network. And then on the Voices of Defiance podcast, uh, this episode 36 this week, uh, where they cover season three, episode five, History Rhymes, Shannon, Sean, and Stargate Pioneer power through the 4th of July vacation to not only watch, but also podcast on Defiance's latest episode, History Rhymes. The plot thickens in all aspects as the TARS continue complicating their lives beyond humanly possible, and Doc Yule rolls in to save the day. Or did she? Also, Sean gets another taste of his beloved Kinsey. Enjoy this holiday version of Voices of Defiance, and we'll be back with a normal podcast next week. More normal. I was going to say more normal. It doesn't get too normal up in her. Anyway, that was a lot of Civ 5 talk and podcast talk, and I'm sure I had something else to say or discuss or or uh, say or discuss. Uh, but, uh, oh, yeah, there's one more thing. Um, so I, I don't know if you've noticed on our YouTube channel, but I, I basically am, am podcasting from a different location every week, and we, we it's well documented on this podcast that, that both John and I are dealing with a lot of technical issues basically all the time. I'm shocked and overjoyed that both my webcam, well, my mic always works, but I'm overjoyed that my webcam worked this entire episode and the last few. That's really great. Um, but the computers that are connected to the camera don't always work. Um, well, that has been resolved. I have ordered a new gaming PC. I finally did it. I have finally done it. I have been talking about this I don't even know how long. Like, if you're a longtime listener, I would love if you if you commented or sent us an email letting me know how long I've been talking about getting a new gaming PC, because it's been a really long time. So I'm going to get that new gaming PC, hook it up to my TV, have a new rig, it's going to be awesome, and Bob's your uncle, we're all set. I will then take this current computer I'm recording on, my soon-to-be-old gaming PC, put that at my desk where computers actually belong, not on the television, but at a desk, novel idea, and I will be using this actual working, functioning computer for podcasting. So uh, the light is at the end of the tunnel for production things, um, and once I have an actual setup at a desk, I'm actually going to be able to edit more things more easily because I don't know if you've ever edited a podcast on a 55 inch television it's annoying like it's i don't know it's like you're, you're the buttons are tiny and everything's sensitive when you're moving the mouse and it's far and it's you have to like take up the whole living like i, I can't like i don't have wireless headphones i could just like connect or whatever and then like if if my girlfriend's walking around like she's got to hear me say the same thing over and over as I'm rewinding and it's just everything about it's terrible so basically everything will be better um sometime after two weeks from now when my gaming pc comes so uh I'm, I'm not into I'm not big into specs I spent several hours researching what to get and blah 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 all I know is I have a, a Intel i7 which is fast I guess and a something GTX 980 it's a 980 I know the number is 980 I think that's Nvidia like I said I'm really bad at this stuff but I read lots of comparisons and things and looked at my options and just I had cyberpower build it I got a cyberpower PC in college and it lasted me a long time like a really long time like 11 years or something and I think the one I just got is even better than that and I'm better at like computers now if I need to repair it and stuff so it's it was an investment but it's gonna last me forever but I'm really excited about that 
Um, also partially because lately John, my uh, constantly absent co-host, has been playing Final Fantasy XIV. He's definitely going to talk about that on our next episode, I'm, if he ever comes back. Um, but he and my our other friend Brad plays it, and I it got me interested. I love Final Fantasy. He was like, the soundtrack's great. You should listen to it. So I'm at work, and I'm listening to the soundtrack. And I'm like, damn, it is a good soundtrack. So between the soundtrack, the fact that it's a Final Fantasy game, and like the fact that I have a couple friends playing, I think I'm going to get it. And I might get it on PC to like kind of break in my gaming rig, and that'll be my new thing. So uh, I'll delve into the world of Final Fantasy XIV soon, and uh, presumably play some of the Steam games that I uh, have been purchasing and not playing. But, you know, that's, that's how Steam works now, isn't it? So anyway, uh, that's all the big news I've got. Um, and one other quick thing, um, we've got the, I've got the Q&A feature activated on our YouTube channel. I, I, I record these live so they go straight toward a YouTube channel. And our amazing listener, Christopher Long, who we love very much and has written for unqualifiedgamers.com, uh, said, hold on, you guys do live shows? Well, uh, I don't know if you're talking about the broadcast now or Gen Con. Probably, the bro- probably Gen Con. Uh, yeah, I always broadcast on Google Hangouts. Anyone that follows us on Google Plus knows that. Um, no, Gen Con will be our only live show ever. Um, I don't know how actually technically I'm going to do any of that yet. Because uh, I'm working with basically three broken laptops. I don't know logistically how any of this is going to work. I'm guessing... I'll just record the audio on a laptop at Gen Con and videotape it, and then we'll upload it later. I don't even know. So, really, you're going to want to be there. If you're going to Gen Con, you're, you're going to want to be there at the live podcast recording to see what the hell we end up doing. And by we, I mean me, because I'm the only person that will have any technology uh, or software equipped to really do anything with anything. So there's that. But... Uh, I am very much looking forward to all that. Um, so yeah, uh, if, you know, keep an eye on unqualifiedgamers.com. I may write down some of my notes on Civ Five since you know th- apparently forty minutes is not long enough to ramble about it. And you may want to know more. Um, and that's literally all I have to say um, at, at present. And happy belated Fourth of July, Independence Day, holiday, happy birthday, America. God bless the revolutionaries. And Edward Snowden, who is keeping this country as great as our forefathers, or at least one of our fathers. (laughs) 